Hello there, welcome to Jubes and Curve, the podcast of my show on GB News. My name's Michelle Jubery, and you can catch me live every weekday evening from 6 till 7pm. But worry not, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Jubes and Curve. Thanks for that, Polly. Right, keeping me company until 7 o'clock tonight is my panel. And guess what? This week, we're going to try something a little bit different. So don't worry, you don't need to adjust your TV sets because I've only got two people with me tonight and that is deliberate. I've picked two of my best, two of my favourites. And we're going to trial this all week long. So if you are a regular viewer, you'll know I normally have three people. So we're going to trial the two and see uh, how it works. And as you know already, I think, and I hope, it's not just my show. This is your show as well at home. So I want you to get in touch with me and tell me, uh, do you prefer two panellists or three? And who would you like them to be? No pressure. The pressure <laughs> is on. Uh, I'll introduce, uh, shall I, then tonight. We've got Ben Habib, the former Brexit Party MEP and the CEO of First Property Group and Labour Party councillor Pimana Assad. And you know the drill, don't you? It's not just about us. It's about you at home as well. Get in touch with me. Let me know what is on your mind tonight. Uh, we're talking tax. We're talking leadership. We're talking the Labour Party. Talking car thefts. Uh, we've got it all going on tonight, so let me know your thoughts. You can email me, gbviews at gbnews.uk. So, we already know, don't we, that there's tw- 11, I almost added one then, there's almost 11, or currently 11 candidates who wish to replace Boris Johnson. Part of me thinks, are they mad? But uh, nonetheless, I wonder, what is the process going to work this time around? The 1922 committee has been meeting today, and our political editor, Darren McCaffrey, is in Westminster to update us on how it's all been going. Darren, any decisions yet? Uh, No decisions. Well, apart from the fact that we do have a new 1922 executive committee. Remember last week there were lots of talks about they're going to wait for this executive committee to see whether they change the rules to force Boris Johnson to face another leadership vote. Well, that new executive committee is in place. Must be said there's still an awful lot of Boris Johnson critics on it, but also not necessarily that many new faces. So Graham Brady, probably the most famous face of the committee, remains as chairman. In saying that, what they are now discussing is actually more important, given the fact that the Prime Minister has announced that he's resigning as Conservative leader, because they are now going to map out, Michelle, the timetable for his replacement. And we're expecting to hear that in the next hour or so. What are we expected to hear? Well, essentially how this process is going to play out in terms of the days in which we're going to see votes take place among MPs to decide who they want to back out of those 11 uh, candidates. There are suggestions it's going to begin as early as Wednesday with nominations closing uh, tomorrow. We could then see a vote on Thursday. We could see a vote next Tuesday and Wednesday. The expectation in the end, though, is what they want to do is get it down to two people by next Thursday when Parliament rises for its summer holidays, if you like. And those those two names will then go towards uh, the Conservative Party membership and they will get to decide who ultimately becomes leader and essentially our next Prime Minister. The other interesting thing, though, that this committee meeting right now is going to decide on is the threshold, if you like, for the number of MPs who have to be backing you in order to get into each round. At the moment, there's only eight, eight MPs, but there are some of those 11 candidates who haven't publicly got the backing of eight MPs. 
there are suggestions that it could be increased as high as 20, maybe even more than that. And again, at the moment, the only two candidates who've got that total of 20 or above are Rishi Sunak and Penny Morden. Now, clearly half of the party hasn't publicly declared who they're backing, so those numbers will change. But it looks like they would take a slightly tougher line. There may be some of those 11 candidates who, frankly, won't even make it into the first round, will have to drop out. And again, it'll be interesting to see who they will back to become the next leader. Oh, it sounds like an episode of The X Factor and then some, Darren. Thanks for that update. Right, one of the key policies for whoever the next Prime Minister will be uh, is going to be tax, isn't it? The Tory party is traditionally the party of low tax and so far pretty much every single candidate except the former Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, says that they are going to lower taxes. But what does that actually mean and how will it work and how will the UK then pay for... Funding, I was going to say the NHS, but pretty much everything needs more money, or it seems to at the moment, doesn't it? Ben Habib, I'm going to start with you on this one. Where do you stand in terms of uh, making the UK a much lower tax base in the, in the first place? Well, I think I, I, I'd step back from that question. I'd go <clears> one step back and I'd ask myself the question, you know, what, it is, what is it that we're trying to achieve out of a lower cost tax base? a lower tax base, you know, what, yeah. what, what are we driving at? And there are two major issues that the country face at the moment. The first is the cost of living crisis. So I'd be looking at taxes that particularly impact the working and middle classes. Because the cost of living crisis, by the way, is not a crisis for the wealthy. It's a crisis for the working and middle classes. So we need, we need to look at taxes that are going to help them overcome the difficulties they're facing. Those taxes are pretty obvious, I think. The uh, national insurance, which was increased, should go back to where it was before. We should be reducing the tax on fuel, which is vast. 48% of our, the cost of fuel is, uh, you know, goes in taxes. We should, reduce, uh, we should eliminate VAT on domestic fuel, which is an EU-imposed uh, VAT rule that we should now get rid of. And, um, and, I, and I would also... Uh, I would... Uh, 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 <laughs> It's gone out of my head. There was a fourth tax. It sounded really crazy. good. It was <laughs> very good. Yes. But, so, you know, for the cost of living crisis, those are the kinds of taxes I would, I would cut. And then, then we need to look at growth in the economy. And that's where the Conservatives have really fallen short. And, 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 and to drive growth, we've got to cut taxes, obviously, that prevent growth. But there's more to it than that. We've also got to cut regulations. And I was surprised that the 11 candidates have been really light on regulatory um, uh, you know, regulatory policies, how we cut back the regula regulations, for example, that we've inherited from the EU. Because if you don't reform regulation, regulation in effect is another tax on business. So in order to get the economy going, the, I would cut corporation tax, I wouldn't be raising it. What would you cut it to what? To 15%. Sajid Javid, I was really impressed by Sajid Javid. I'm generally not very impressed by him, but it was very good that he came straight out and said, instead of increasing corporation tax from 19 to 25%, which is what Rishi Sunak has promised to do next year, I'm going to cut it to 15%. And, and so I, I would do that. I would cut business rates, which are completely over the top. They penalise small and medium-sized businesses. And I would ditch net zero, which is the biggest, most uh, pernicious... Uh, a regressive, effectively a regressive tax again on the working and middle classes and cost this country about 50 billion a year between now and 2050. 
That's what they have to do. Well, I think um, I could probably detect some of you guys cheering at home then when you said about net zero. When you um, said your net zero comment, I bet lots of you at home would have said, yes, get it scrapped. Am I right or am I wrong? Get in touch with me and tell me. I've got some questions for you yep. uh, on, your, on your little plans, but I'll pause them and ask Pamana her thoughts on it all first. So I don't think any of the candidates um, have what it takes um, to fix the issues that are facing the United Kingdom at this moment. I think we're stuck. We're stuck in a crisis of a Conservative leadership race. There's no plan to try and challenge some of the things that, that are happening. We've got long queues for people waiting for hospital appointments with the NHS or operations. We've got long queues for passports. We've got public services, you know, broken completely. We've got low growth. Um, and we've seen 14 years of basically nearly 14 years of Tory failure, I think. And I agree with Ben on, you know, the challenges that we face. It is a cost of living uh, crisis that is impacting working people. And I think that what Keir Starmer said today was really key in trying to change um, the situation for, for working people. You know, we've committed to making the tax system fairer. Um, and one of the pledges of the Labour Party is getting rid of business rates, because I think that would help um, level up the playing field between small business and big business. That's literally what we need, because we have so many small businesses in the UK. And one of the other things that the Labour Party have said that they'll do is remove the VAT exemption for private schools um, to try and level the playing field um, in you education. mean the charitable status yes, the of charitable. the best educational establishment. No, I mean, wh the why should they have charitable status <laughs> well, when, when people are paying for, for the school? Because, because so when, they actually so... provide a huge charitable service. I don't know if you're aware of that. Before. No, I am aware of yeah. that, because we have Harris school in Harrow and, yeah. and they provide um, lots of donations and things for the community. Yeah, I and mean, I you are literally no, advocating that... damaging one of the no, greatest, so. greatest British so. institutions, which is the private private educational system. That's fine. We're you not saying we're getting rid of it. You don't, you, we're, we're not saying we're getting rid of it. That effectively will... But what we're saying Walk, is it will continue, we'll hold it it's just they'll get rid of line. the VAT exemption. No. I mean, that so is that so typically Labour. Why Find that? something that's working incredibly well and damage it. No, that's not damaging Hang on, anything. because all of this has got nothing to do with tax. So it does. It's removal of charitable status. <laughs> yeah, but I'm it really interested. <laughs> in terms of in terms of, you know, like let's just pick income tax as, as yes. one example. So all of the candidates today, they're jumping over themselves, they're falling over themselves to say, we're going to lower taxes, we'll do it from day one, we'll cut this one, we'll cut that one, we'll cut the other one. I've got some questions for Ben in a second about but his thoughts. But what would you do with income tax, for example? Well, I personally would make sure that we look at the threshold of the 20%, 40% and where exactly we're, we're taxing people. You look at doctors, they're earning 60K and they're being taxed 40%. That, what does that leave you in your paycheck at the end of the day to be able to afford a house, a mortgage? But your whole... Uh, but your, well, that, so you want to reduce really the high different. rate of tax? <laughs> really? Well, I wasn't no, even going to go there, Pemana. No, 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 no <laughs> I, what I'm saying is making it fairer. <laughs> But looking at the facts and yeah. making it fairer, because that is the point. Because people don't feel like the tax system is fair and it's not giving them what they need. Why should you go to school for six years and work really hard to become a doctor? You're saving people's lives and then get tax extortion amount on a ro lo really low income. But you don't, hang on a second, you don't get tax an extortionate amount on a really low income because the 40% is only going to apply to whatever it is over the 50 grand threshold, so yeah, say like 10 grand or whatever. But if we look at the cost of living crisis, is 50 grand enough to live on? Well, look, we've got is, a is real problem. Is it enough to buy a house? I mean, the... Is it enough to buy a mortgage? Is it enough to, to Well, it's to significantly higher than the average salary yeah, in the Yeah, I, I, I understand that. It's significantly higher, but this is what I mean. We need to look at the, ta the, the threshold of tax and I mean, Pamala's hit on a really good point, which is that actually what we've got in this country is not six months of cost of living crisis. This is a problem that's been building, and I accept it, over 12 years of Conservative Party government 
where you've had inflation in the economy before the current spike of 25%, and you've had wage growth of about 5% in, in nominal terms. So in real terms, we've seen wages collapse in this country while costs have gone up. Everyone is in difficulty. You know, you hit, you hit the top 3 to 5% of earners once you earn more than £80,000 a year. Mm. And you try getting by on £80,000 a year in London. I know it's a privilege to get that. I was going to say, in London, I mean, if yeah. you went to, say, a hole where I'm from with 80 grand, you'd have a nice life, a very nice yeah, life, in I, London. Suggest, I would say. Yeah, but you try getting... I, I, it's, it's different all across yeah, the country. It is yeah. different and across the country. Le- we need a fair... Le- but fair I, I tax take your point completely system. that taxes are clobbering people. I wasn't going to go to income tax, because that's not a but place... I think, but I think income tax is the thing that impacts people because it's what they take home at the end of the day and it's what pays the bills, it's what keeps, you know, the lights on. That yeah, is but, what is impacting but people. But the, the problem we've country. really got in the United Kingdom, the real problem is a burden of... Uh, we're a highly regulated, highly taxed economy, and we've got to get over that. Rishi Sunak wanting to increase taxes is utterly mad. We now have the highest tax rate as a percentage of GDP since World War II. I that think this is, is where you massive. and I agree, because I don't think Rishi should be Prime Minister. He's raised, ta- raised tax on... Well, Rishi's got us into this times. problem. He talks about grown-up politics, about being serious. He got us here. And he wants to do more of the same. I mean, didn't someone like didn't Einstein that... say, you know, doing the same... You know, the definition of doing, insanity yeah, is doing absolutely. the same thing over again, and over again. Again, expecting a different result. I mean, Rishi Sunak needs his head examined. At least the other 10 candidates understand we've got to cut tax. But in fairness to him, though, he's got consistency. Whether you agree with his policy or not. <laughs> yeah, whether you agree with it or not. But what I'm interested about, so you all want to cut all this tax and all the rest of it. Yeah. Well, how are you going to pay for all the things that need paying for That then? is a fundamentally flawed question, if you don't mind me saying so, Michelle. Why because, is it? Because you, because you absolutely proven time and time again that when you pay taxes and you get economic growth, the, the exchequer actually gets richer. You balance the books through growth. You never balance the books through austerity and by raising taxes. That's where Rishi, and I'm afraid Keir Starmer, just completely wrong. Keir Starmer talks about £200 billion worth of promises made by Tory candidates. Over the weekend, they haven't, by the way. They've all promised tax cuts. No, one, no one's mentioned spending so far. So he's got that fundamentally wrong. But you do not tax your way out of a debt problem. You do not tax your way out of low growth. The way to grow, the way to grow the exchequer's income is by cutting taxes. We are too highly taxed, and I come back to it again, too highly regulated. But who, who is too highly taxed? The, the, who are you the, talking about, exactly? Uh, but, but mostly the working classes yes, and middle classes. I agree with that. You know, and it is VAT, it is tax on fuel, it's all those taxes which... But business rates, which you rightly mentioned... Yes. And you know, Labour has a plan. We want to cut business rates. We want to remove business rates completely, actually. <laughs> and I think Keir, Keir, in Keir's speech, he was very clear. He, he said it's about wealth creation. It's about making Britain richer. And he said we want to buy, sell and make more in the UK. We want to cut red tape, the five-point plan for Northern Ireland and Brexit that he was talking about. One of them is cutting red tape, making the supply chain issues for Brexit work. But you say... I'm going to say something highly unpopular now because I know that you're not allowed to stick up for the wealthy in this country <laughs> anymore, but I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to do it for a moment. Indulge me. Because you say, you know, who's taxed too much at the moment? It's the people at the bottom. But actually, I would say that when you start taking 45% of someone's earnings, so let's call it almost half, when you start taking almost half of somebody's money off them, to me, you're bordering onto a zone where you're de-incentivizing people to be 
um, operating in a fair, decent way with their taxes? Because why should anybody have to hand over around half of their earnings? But Why? The, the question is, it's about profits and how much profit are you making? No, that's my it? question. I, my question to you is, as a higher earner, as a higher earner, higher taxpayer, why should somebody have to pay almost half of their money in income tax? 45%. You don't even have to be a higher earner to be paying that no, percentage. No, because if well, you're paying 60k, you know, you're, you're, you're paying, paying a massive more, sum. You're yeah. no, paying a massive sum. I'm talking yeah. about 150 plus. So to lots of people yeah. watching this program, earning over 150k is, you know, you're very wealthy indeed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And when you're in that territory, you're paying 45 percent of that money. You lose your personal allowance. But nobody so you said don't get that that's any... fair. This is what we're saying. The Labour Party is saying that we need to look at that again and make a fairer tax. No, I would make it less. You'd make it less? Yes, I, I, I would. I, I absolutely. Tax yeah, generally would. needs to come down. Tax. I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't go to income tax first because I don't think that's really the crux of the problem right now. What we've got is a cost of living crisis and a problem with growth. And, and the problem with growth you address through business and the private sector and the problem with the cost of living crisis you address by cutting taxes that hit the working classes and the middle classes. You know, the, don't forget the middle classes. They're just about managing. Do you remember that wonderful what do you speech, call, What Theresa do you May call May? middle class? Well, any, anyone up earning up to about £80,000 a year is middle class. I mean, we have a massive... Anything over 25000 through to eighty is middle class. I mean, lots of you people know. probably wouldn't define it like that. So, well, the average wage is twenty-five thousand. I'd say anything beyond that is is is. But you think twenty? So you think someone that earns thirty grand think, a year is middle class? I, yeah, I think you are middle no, class. No, well, I don't I agree with where, that. Where, where would you? I think with the you call them working class. I mean, we're I would semantics call them working now. class. We're semantics now because but... it's really it's really difficult to live on thirty k. It is, especially in places like. Okay, London. well, I'm saying it's very difficult for the middle class to live. I think no, it's very, I agree. Very it's difficult, difficult because yeah. prices are rising, and I and I agree with you that it's about growth. It's about business. It's about health. You know, if you're business. a nurse, you've been to uni, you're well educated, you are part of the educated class, if you like, and you're earning thirty thousand a year. So, I mean, whether you define class through education or through what you're taking home, it's kind of a moot point. The fact is. You know, the, the country is over-costed. We've got a problem with costs in the United Kingdom, and that's regulatory and taxation. And any chancellor or any would-be prime minister that wants to exacerbate the problem with net zero, exacerbate the problem with increased taxes, try to tax their way out and, uh, and hammer, the, hammer the populace with, a, with austerity, is a lunatic. It's well, just Rishi lunacy. Well, Rishi Sunak raised national insurance. And Labour voted against it because we didn't... And, I, and, and right I think Rishi tax. Sunak the, should... It was the wrong tax at the wrong time. He should, resign, he should resign his contestant position for prime ministerial... You know, for the prime ministerial role. Well, Ranjit's been in touch and says the heat is obviously affecting your guests. <laughs> the vast majority of Londoners wouldn't, wouldn't dream, basically, of being able to earn £60,000 a year. Um, Joe says... Michelle, no matter all this, if we had a referendum, most people would vote Boris back in. It would never happen. But how must the candidates feel, knowing how the ordinary people out there want Boris back? Kevin says, Dominic Raab was my, gets my vote for Prime Minister. James says, cutting income tax and court tax is a small step. They should be cutting the hidden tax, like sugar tax and green taxes. Paddy says, the next uh, net zero taxes must go now. Bridget says, has everyone forgotten why national insurance was increased. The NI increase was to pay for social care. The long-standing problem was finally being addressed and now everybody is calling for it to be scrapped. 
Bridget, I've got to say, they're putting that money initially into the NHS to help with some of the backlogs there, but you do raise a very good point. Uh, that was a very unpopular move, wasn't it, the national insurance rise? But it was done, as you, point, you know, rightly point out, to help look at how do we fund social care. So when you're cutting all of these uh, taxes and all of these plans, what do you put in their place? That is a very good question that you raise. GBviews at gbnews.uk is the email that you can get in touch with and tell me your thoughts tonight. We've just been debating uh, in the break still that conversation about fairness and all the rest of it. And we had a really interesting uh, conversation and I stopped it because I said, just hold that thought and let's have it when we come back on air because you were just saying then we need a fairer society. So Pamana was saying, why should people be able to take home millions uh, if some other people are using food banks? And Ben was saying, well, that's basically politics of envy. And so, I don't agree with that because I think there's collective responsibility. We but live what, what, what but we live in a society. No, but here's the thing. We live in a society. We all pay into the pot and that pot gets distributed to our public services that we all use. Like the NHS. Yeah. We all pay to contribute towards the running of the NHS. So are you saying that, that that's not a fair system? That what we shouldn't mean? have that? I just don't understand what you're saying. Because a billionaire will pay more tax yeah. than uh, someone who earns... Yeah, I understand. And, so and they I are think that there should be... A, pot, but I think and they probably don't even... They probably don't even use the NHS. They'll go They're private. Probably, they do probably yeah. go private. But what yeah. I'm saying is, why shouldn't those people be taxed a little but, bit more than the others? But they are being But they are taxed. Yes, and that's fine. And you're saying they shouldn't be. You're saying no, we no, should I'm, cut their... Well, they pay, they pay a hell of a lot more... I mean, if you earn a million a year on the 45... Just forget about the bans for a second. Just say you earn a million a year, paying 45%, you pay 450,000 a year in taxes. It's massive. Yeah, and what's wrong with that? Nothing. No, nothing's okay. wrong with that. That's fine, then. You were saying, no, but hey. you were saying that you should punish billionaires. No, I never, said we, should puni no, I never said we should punish them. No. I said that they should be taxed in order to be able to given to that pot that all of us use from. We, See, we already have a progressive tax system. You tell me where do you stand on this uh, brief Income question? Tax. Because, you know, do you think we should live in a society where on the one hand you've got people taking home millions and then on the other hand you've got people on food banks? Do you think that is a fair society or do you think that's a broken society? I'm interested in your thoughts on that one. Now, uh, we all know, don't we, unless you've been asleep, that the Tories are having a leadership competition. Uh, but I've got to say, it's not just over that side of the fence that there's lots of goings on because the Labour leader, Sakia Starmer, has today outlined his priorities. Uh, he basically wants another general election. He will say that Labour's going to reboot the economy, revitalise the public services, unite the country, clean up politics and end the cost of living crisis. And one of my favourites is going to re-energise our communities. It sounds good. But what does it even mean, Pamana, all that? Well, it means a lot. It means that um, Keir Starmer has finally been cleared of the beer gate um, situation and now he can put forward the plan that Labour has been working on. I mean, Gordon Brown and David Blunkett are working on, on these uh, plans and policies for the Labour Party. Um, and, you know, Keir Starmer's talking about making Britain richer, making Brexit work, make, buying, selling, making more in the UK, having a five-point plan for Northern Ireland, um, you know, the, the Northern Ireland Protocol, the deal with the European Union, more climate, climate investment so we can move away and go towards net zero, actually. So it is. It's about the economy. It's about public services. It's about our communities and it bringing our communities utter together. Flannel. No, it I think was these these utter and no, total flannel. No, the wasn't. man talks about integrity. He's got contempt for democracy. He voted 48 times 
against getting us out of the European Union. Because he the, believed the, the, in the only, Remain. The only for a very figure, long time. the only thing that the only there's not that's the only, not criminal, the, you the know. Only, ben, having a different opinion. No, no, it's anti-democratic. No, it's the not. Only, the only thing he of substance in, in his. The only I've got his thing here. The only thing of substance is he's going to spend another 28 billion a year on the on the environment. A Keir Starmer. The problem Keir Starmer's got is the, the Conservative Party has moved so far to the left that he's increasingly getting detached from reality and going even further to the left to try and open up a gap with the, with the Conservatives. I'm afraid the Conservatives have stolen his clothes and he doesn't know where to go. And this notion that he can call a, a vote of no confidence in Parliament and, and have it now is ridiculous. The Conservatives are never that, going to vote in favour well, of that. No, I don't but think that shows his disconnect with reality. No, I don't Why think is he wasting parliamentary time no. calling a vote of no confidence, which he is going to there lose? There is no co vote of co confidence right now. But he's, he's claiming that he's yes, going to call... Yes, because he wants the, the Conservative Party to get its house in order and hurry up and get a new leader because we're waiting for all these plans that the Conservative Party has no, that's said that's not that what he have. wants. No, he wants he an does. election. He, well, yes, That's we do, because we want change. 12 years of Tory what? failure. The he highest says, inflation in So what does he do? He puts, Gordon Brown, he puts Gordon Brown in charge. This Gordon Brown was Gordon the guy... Gordon Brown who helped us save the economy in 2008, Ben. Are you kidding me? No, Gordon I am Brown, being serious. Gordon Brown, when and Gordon, that is the truth. When Gordon you know Brown left truth. office... When He's Gordon respected Brown... all around the world. Let's um, talk over each other, you two. <laughs> right. You, when, what's wrong with Gordon Brown? I'll come to you and then you Gordon come Gordon Brown bankrupted the country. When he left office, I can't remember the name of his Treasury economy. Minister, they left a note on the desk for the incoming Conservative Party Minister saying, sorry, no more money or something to that effect. I mean, they left the country bankrupt. We ha that's when we started QE. That's when we had to print money in order to bail out the banks that they couldn't regulate and look after, uh, oversee properly. Gordon Brown's a disaster. Gordon Brown's part of the establishment that devolved the country's institutions and created the problems in Northern Ireland, in right. Scotland and in Wales. Gordon Brown should be nowhere near government. Why are you saying no? Because I think devolution works. I mean, if you look at... Oh, Wales, yeah, really, look well, at it. Well, it does. Yes, it does. Because <laughs> if you look at Wales, it has a Labour government and when you go and take your prescription to the pharmacy, you don't have to pay for it. That's devolution, because the people of Wales what, want a, something different. So they've got something for to, free, and that's a sign that it works? Well, yes, it is, because it's, po it's free at point of use, and, and people in the UK, have to, people in England have to pay for their all devolution, and it's really expensive. All devolution Devolution works done. because it puts power back into the hands of local communities. All and devolution. communities get to decide what policies and what not. laws they're governed no. by. Yes. No, what devolution, the devolution we've got gives a soapbox for separatists like the lunatic Sturgeon and Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland to um, attack the United Kingdom without any responsibility, knowing that actually Westminster will bail them out time and time again. I'm devolution, as, as delivered by office. your party, by Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, is a fundamental failure for the union of the United Kingdom. We have problems in Scotland because of it. We have problems in Northern Ireland because of it. We have Sinn Féin... We actually won the referendum Sinn Féin refuses to take its seats in Westminster. That's the contempt it has for our country. They shouldn't be allowed to... I would abolish Stormont, I'd abolish Holyrood, and I'd abolish the Assembly in Wales. We should have one government which sits in Westminster. Devolution's a disaster. We do have one government, and it does sit in Westminster, and devolution helps 
govern the United Kingdom. No, it doesn't. It, it, gives, back <laughs> it gives back power to local communities. I think it does work. I think you'd be, you'd, you need to travel more a bit. I do. Oh, UK. I do travel. Maybe go to Wales, Scotland. I go to Belfast to all people, the time, by the way. <laughs> there you go. He needs to travel. That's what uh, Pamana says. And all this is fascinating, Pamana, but I'm not sure that it actually tells me anything uh, about oh, rebooting done. our economy, revitalising our public services and re-energising our communities. I mean, come what? on, how much more do you want? I mean, Keir Starmer said he, he wants to help the UK buy, make and sell more in it's Britain. It's vacuous platitudes. It's vacuous platitudes. How, how are you going to help? Red tape for, with the supply chains for the EU and various other things. But obviously, we don't have these clear, set policies in place at the moment. Why not? I mean, look at the, the Conservative Party. What mess they're in? What exactly can we oppose uh, uh, that they're putting on. forward? Uh, One and two. As, as we get closer to the general election, Labour's plan will be more clearer. And as I said, Gordon Brown, David Blunkett, they're looking at these policies. But what are you waiting for? What do you mean what we're waiting for? I mean, what we, are you waiting for? I mean, for? we've, yeah, we've set out for? a plan. We're saying that these are three priorities. The economy, they're not public priorities, services they're sentences. and communities. Reboot the economy, revitalise public services and re-energise our communities. What does, I'll pick the last one. What does re-energising our communities mean? It's a vacuous platitude. Let her answer, because she might sorry. she might have a great answer for it. What does re-energising our communities mean? It means giving back power to local communities, making sure that local government is properly funded. At the moment, we don't see properly funded local government. Um, for example, my council in Harrow does not get the same type of deal that other inner city London boroughs do. That's just a London issue. And, and we are worse off for it. We don't have enough money to spend on some of the services that we run as a council. It's about looking at some of the deeper issues that impact. These are not sexy slogans for, for you know, the, the these campaigns. The absence of a sexy slogan these, is an excuse but, but unfortunately, for not coming up no, but unfortunately, the Conservative Party have all been about slogans. I mean, look at the bus... Uh, issue with with Brexit, 350 pound, what 350 million, million for the for the NHS a week. Where was that not delivered? There's lots. It is delivered, but, but it's actually this been is delivered. This is a populist. Now. But here's the thing. It has this been is delivered. A populist and slogan and more yeah. slogan government that hasn't delivered for for people in the UK, and we're worse off for it. All right. Well, very quickly then, tell me. Um, Reboot the economy. What, what's that mean? You say you're going to make stuff and do... Ooh. Buy, make, sell more in Britain. How? Making sure that uh, wealth, one, getting rid of business rates, for example, helping um, small, more businesses go online, getting them access to global markets, things like that. Yeah, but, OK, that, you, know? you just said something mutually exclusive there. You said to build more in the United Kingdom and sell more here. That is essentially a protectionist policy. That is basically saying you're going to put tariffs on goods coming into the UK. Because that's how no, you... No, that's not. That, that, that is. That's, it's that just is, saying that it's is, a statement. That is how and you protect producers. And if well, you talk about a global economy... And, and you can't square that by saying we're going to be globalists in our trade policy. I mean, that's the problem with Labour. You say a lot of things, none of which add up. Oh, my God. You that's know? coming from a Conservative <laughs> who's all about sexy slogans but not real I'm not, policy. I'm not about sexy slogans. That have actually slogans. delivered for people. Why are we in a cost-of-living crisis? Why aren't these issues being sorted out. Why is it that We're the in a cost of living why crisis. are the Conservative Party fighting against each other? Why are we, we, are in, why are we in the middle of a crisis. why are we in the middle of a Conservative Party leadership? Why is why do not we do not have a Prime Minister that can actually put out a plan to, to help people right now? We are in a cost why of we, living why crisis. Do you want an answer or not? Because he's trying to give you an yeah, answer. Well, we are, are in a cost of living crisis because of lockdowns. Lockdowns which would have been much more severe under oh, Labour. If Keir Starmer had had his way, we would never have unlocked. One thing you've got to give Boris Johnson credit for was the accelerated vaccine programme and unlocking and having the courage to unlock against all that ridiculous rhetoric from across the aisle, suggesting that we should never unlock. No, I mean, we 
whistleblowing doctor. It was not about doctor. never It was about safety. Keir Starmer, sure Keir Starmer would have. You do abs- know COVID. COVID is on the rise again right now. So, so what? what? So we're not. Nobody's so looking what? at it. So is cancer. Nobody, We've nobody, got seven million. Nobody's looking what? at it. Yeah, there were four million. We have monkeypox. Nobody's. Nobody's there talking about that. There were four million. Brilliant. I don't want people talking about monkeypox. It's very deliberate on this show, at least, not to talk about monkeypox because I am sick to the back teeth of everyone trying to terrify absolutely everyone over absolutely everything. So it's deliberate that I'm not talking about that, by the way. But very quickly, because I do need to go to a break, I'm getting told off, not going to a break, but you just said lockdowns didn't cause the cost of living crisis. No, I never said that. I said Labour wasn't against opening up the economy. We were for it opening up the economy. Up, but do you... No, but here's the thing. We were for opening up the economy. What we weren't for is putting people who were very vulnerable and who were scared. It was a global pandemic. We were in a difficult situation. Lockdowns Nobody were a disaster. Lock... Let's Nobody just get this straight. We Lockdowns wanted to open were up the utter economy disaster. at the right time. The... Do you right concede that the lockdowners had a direct impact on the situation Of course they did. Of course they did. We must never, ever lock down. Again. We needed a sensible plan to, to move us forward. We must never and, and lock down again. And that was the risk again. that Boris Johnson took. Well, there you go. We need a sensible plan, and they've produced it. Reboot the economy, revitalise our public services, and re-energise our communities. Are you convinced? GBviews at gbnews.uk is the email that you can get in touch with me and tell me what you think about that. Right. Have you got a car? I was asking you that, wasn't I, at the start? Uh, have you got a car? Have you ever had it nicked or have you ever had anything stolen from it? Get this, you know, last year there were almost 89,000 thefts from cars in England and Wales. Uh, That's about 244 cars a day. And in the London area, the Met Police managed to solve just half of 1%. I I almost laugh when I say that because I'm not saying, I'm not hearing things. Half just half of 1% of those crimes have been resolved. Pimana, I'm going to come to you first on this. You know, have we got to a point in society now where, you know, there's just certain crimes that you can get away with? Unfortunately, I think that is the case. Um, Sometimes the police, when you go to them with with certain issues, they say, this is not a priority. We don't have the resources. We can't... um, you know, go and solve this this issue. And I think this issue specifically, the catalytic converter theft, is so common in northwest London now. You know, people are having to pay thousands of pounds out of their own pocket to try and refit these catalytic converters into their cars. Um, and they're very traumatising. You know, I was uh, witness to, to one of these in my own um, ward and uh, constituency in Harrow. Um, and they had crowbars and they were threatening the, the family that came out to try and stop them from taking it. But within seconds, they, they were gone. And... I was there for the police response. The police came 10 minutes later. We said, they went that way. This is the car. This is the registration number. And they said, well, that's probably a stolen car, fake plates. And we probably won't catch them if we go after them now. It's organised crime and it's really difficult to, to stop. Um, and I think, why, why is this difficult to stop when it's on the rise? They're criminal gangs, we know. We can go to scrap metal dealers and try and stop them from selling to scrap metal dealers because what they do is melt the catalytic converters and then... Um, sell them on for, for, ma- for, for money. Um, I just don't understand why the police aren't taking this as a priority when it's traumatising uh, communities up and down the country, but also specifically in London. Yeah, I tweeted um, a video, by the way, of one of these uh, catalytic converters being stolen. It was bright uh, daylight. The two guys doing it, they couldn't care less, quite frankly. They were incredibly brazen. Ben Habib, where do you stand on all this? Well, I mean, I, obviously I agree that you, we've got to stamp down on it. But I, I think as the economy worsens and you know, and people get into more financial difficulty, we're going to see more of it. It's, all, it's always been that way. 
And by the way, stealing cars and radios out of cars and stuff, I mean, it's something that's gone unpunished in London for many, many years. I remember when I first came to London, 1987, um, when I first started work, uh, a guy <laughs> broke into my car. He was stabbing at the dashboard at 5 a.m. It, it was a sunny morning, um, 5 a.m., you know, summer. And I leant out of my window and said, Oi, what are you doing? And he said, Well, I'm taking your radio. But I didn't smash the window. Someone else has smashed it. I'm just, I'm just taking your radio. <laughs> I sort of had this conversation with this guy. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it, it's nothing new. And what did you say about it? Okay, all right then, mate, cheers. No, I said, Get the. There's some CDs in the glove Excuse me, there's some CDs in the glove compartment. You've got them. Take those as well while but, you're you know, at it. It was in the days when. Did Radios were worth then? something. I had tapes and he was stabbing and he did more damage stabbing the dashboard with his oh. screwdriver trying to get this thing out. Um, thank God you can't do that anymore. So it's catalytic converters. And, you know, I, I think the, the view the police take is that it's really let the insurance company sort it out. This is an insured risk. The, the drivers can go and get the money back. We, we'll deal with something really serious, like someone not wearing a mask when they should be wearing a mask. Jacqueline, <laughs> or, you know. I don't think so. I mean, Jacqueline has emailed in saying it's the theft of tools from vans. She says this is a massive problem uh, in Barnet, which is in London. My son's vehicles are constantly broken into for steel. Uh, they steal tools and ladders. She says the police are just not interested, Dave says. This is all because the country has become far too liberal on crime. The do-gooders, he says, has destroyed any sense of punishment. Uh, he goes on to say that he knows people that have been in prisons multiple times. Uh, he says, I'm all for second chances, etc., but there has to be a limit. And John says, when my car was stolen for the fourth time, it didn't come back. The police were just not interested. It was just another stolen car to them. But John was having none of it. He played detective, found the culprit, but not the car. Uh, nothing was done and the car was gone. Uh, Gab Gabriel says that my daughter had her car stolen in Manchester. The keys were stolen from a bag, there was CCTV there and the police were simply not interested. Now, I have to say, if you can kind of do these things and get away with it, then it does almost, I, I hate to even imagine it, but I imagine that it would motivate other people around. Say, well, he's done it, they've done it and there's been no consequence. But... In this day and age, Pimana, you've got to prioritise what the police spend their time doing. So you would presumably prioritise, I don't know, whatever, knife crime, for example, over catalytic converters, would you? Well, I think there's, it's a difficult one. I think every area faces different issues and you have to look at the statistics of what is impacting different areas. In northwest London, catalytic converter theft is really a big issue right now. Um, and it will have its peaks and its downfalls. And But I've gone to the police. I've had conversations with the police about this. And I've said, why are you not prioritising this? And they said, well, because one, it's a criminal aspect of, of this. There's criminal gangs involved. And it needs real resources and ability for police officers to come together to investigate and actually carry out... Um... <laughs> That's a declaration of abrogation of obligation. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. That well, that, that, that. That's what I'm, well, that's what I'm shocked. That's why I want the police to prioritise this issue, specifically in northwest London, because yeah. it's a huge cost to people. And you're right, Ben, there is a cost of living crisis, but I don't think that this is just because of you know, people, you know, struggling and therefore going out and stealing. I think there is a criminal aspect to this and we need to look at this wider. I think obviously education and jobs, we need to target that and help people. But there is a criminal aspect to this. There are criminal gangs who are targeting people because they make money from this. And that's what needs to be stopped. And they aren't just coming from, you know, 
for example, Harrow, they're coming from other boroughs, they're coming from other places, and this is taking place across the country. Mm. What would you do with these people, by the way, if you uh, found someone and there was indeed uh, nicking catalytic converters or whatever else? What should the punishment be? Uh, because I think Dave's point is that we're all too soft these days and that's why people think that they can go away uh, and get away with doing pretty much whatever they want, Bruce says. Uh, when you were just talking about devolution uh, there, you guys... Basically, you've got no conception, he says, of the damage being done. Scotland, he says, is divided in a way that it never was before. Linda has said that she's loved the show tonight and the panel have cheered her up. No end. <laughs> there you go, no end. There you go, well done. So, thank you very much, Pamana and Ben. Thank you very much for your company. You've cheered Linda up, if nothing else. Linda, we hope you have a good night and so too, everybody else. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, what will we be talking about tomorrow? I wonder who else will have put their hat in the ring to be our next Prime Minister? Hmm, who will it be next? Have a good one and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for your company. Thanks for listening to Jubes and Co, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you will never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a nice comment. I'll see you next time. <laughs>